Welcome to our second episode of Go Ahead, I'm Listening, a melanin-minded mental health podcast. I'm your co-host, um, Cam, and... I am Prof. What's up? <laughs> and today, um, we have a special guest here with us, um, my dear friend, Kenya. Welcome. Thank you. <coughs> and hello, everybody. They already know about us. Um, you want to tell us something about yourself? Ooh. Um, I'm female. Right. <laughs> 39 years of age. Um, that's always like a hard question. Like, where do I start? Like, when right. I was in elementary school. It's like the Tinder bio. My first. Uh, I'm an engineer. But what do people put on Tinder? Okay, engineer. Um, I'm 38. Okay, uh, I'm in education. What would your Tinder profile I have, say? Okay. I, I live in Conroe. <laughs> <laughs> My Tinder profile will be... Um, 38 and a half miles away. 30, right. Uh, <laughs> that's the important thing. <laughs> right? Around the corner. In the Houston area. No, I have no Wait, idea. Wait, sidebar. Part. It's also creepy when they're too close. Right? Like, 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 a mile away. Yeah, left in a mile. We should meet out of town. <laughs> so, anyway, go on. What would your Tinder profile say? No, I don't. I don't know because anytime that I've ever filled one out, I've never put anything in my profile. I skip all the questions. Swipe pretty much when you Yeah, when you put your picture up, that says everything in the profile. <laughs> I'll be like, bruh, you, you know what Nah, is. I fucking <laughs> read profiles, man. I, I like... Read, I read them, but I don't ever put up anything on my profile. Like I have not. I do not. Do you like, put your I don't age? answer the questions. I don't. I don't know. Probably just like my name and a picture, and I'm like one picture. Probably maybe three. Maybe three. Maybe three. Maybe three. Maybe three. And then like it will say something like something crazy, like a one liner, like don't like if you're on that bullshit. Oh yes. <laughs> It's like an angry, angry woman, like, quote real quick, like, don't favorite. be on here wasting my time. Hey. Because let me tell you something. <laughs> it's nothing like going to a place to find something and immediately telling people what you don't want to find. <laughs> like, no one has any insight into what it is you're looking for. They just know what it is you don't want. Right. Yeah. The most important thing. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You just weeding out the bullshit as you encourage the bullshit. Come on, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Which is why now, at why this we point, I don't have no Tinder. Nobody talk to me. For real, I'm, sorry, I'm saying, man. All right. So basically, what my understanding is that if we pulled up on her Tinder profile, we would look at pictures. We would see her age and how far she is. And we would probably swipe. Wait, which one is a like? Right, right, right. Swipe yeah. right. right. Swipe right. right. We'd be like, she right. cute. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's really like, even if you see a like, I do like to read the profiles. But even. Like, I treat women like shit. No, I if cheat. there's no info. Oh, okay. Nobody No info. Yeah. yeah. Like, if there's no info, you're still going to swipe right. They're fake. That's just how the way that we work. Yeah. So. All right. Well, That's the function of Tinder. For it to all be visual. That's what I heard. But some people I have really Tinder. witty profiles. Like, yeah, they're good. But then it's like, did you, did, how long did it take you to do that? And where'd you Are copy you putting and paste that it? much time nah, into your Tinder? A few of them that's like, like I like my, I thought my shit, like, I had people, like, actually engage me. 
because of what I said on Tinder. How long did it take you to set it up? I don't know. And let me tell you something. Regardless of why you think people engage with you Mm -hmm. on Tinder, never forget, especially in 2019, let's say it was ever some, I don't know what it is. I don't know. It ain't, it ain't, let me tell you what it ain't. (laughs) It ain't Christian Mingles. Christian Mingles, neither have I, but I know how dating apps work. I'm sorry, go on. Well, obviously, ain't no need for me to <laughs> Dating apps work. She just done turned into the guru on dating apps. Sit this one out. No, what was you going to say? My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> you really not going to say it. For the people. For the culture. For the culture. Take yourself you out of me. Culture. I'm just saying that. Thank you. It's different. Everybody know what Tinder is used for. And that's what I heard. No, nah, it ain't what I heard. It is a sexual platform. I like, had no idea. People... Or I would have never put my profile on Tinder. Listen to this liar. <laughs> and that's all I'm saying. I so, would not have. Really? No, yeah, to just Girl. hook up with someone? No, I would No. See, if I knew that, I would have put my stuff on. What's that first one that came out that people used to have to pay money for? And it was all them commercials about them getting married once they met on there? E-Harmony. Never. Y'all remember E-Harmony? Never. <laughs> If I was looking for something serious, okay, I would be on eHarmony or Events and Adventure. Uh, now that I know that Tinder is a hookup up. site. <laughs> right. Farmers is a good one. Farmers, whatever. Um, this P-O-L. One, P-O-L, yeah. Now, I thought that one was a hookup platform. They all That's all I was saying. That's all I was saying. They all But lie. Tinder more than all. Had no idea. Like, so for us to be like, no, nah, I, I had an amazing profile. That's cool. Right. But people get married off of Tinder. <laughs> they do. People develop real relationships. Like, uh, I, I hate to be anecdotal, but like, on, but I know someone who, who is married to someone has they met pe- off of have Tinder. Have people ever gotten married off Tinder ever in life? She Probably said, so. Oh. Yes. Yeah, but like even like. But let's let, look. So look. So look. So look. This is equivalent to have a black person ever been president? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, we that's, get that's to say I'm that saying. today. <laughs> now, all I am saying is very infrequent occasion. <laughs> very infrequent. Like, let's be fair to that. Like, that ain't what it's for. Well, where? who says? Like, is there like a little disclaimer at the bottom that says this site is for only hookups? No, no, okay, no serious relationship no, no, seekers? No, 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 no one says that, but it is the same connotation as Netflix and chill. It is the same reason that she don't just go over there and do that. Like, it don't mean if we Netflix and chill that we gonna have sex. It don't mean that, but it is the social connotation. This generation. This 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 time and age. It's not necessarily this time. I want to be fair. People raised this time. That this platform exists. I think it's wonderful. This time. Like if you're single and not like necessarily get like it's a way to meet people. Like you meet people out and it's still bullshit. Like like it's um it's just a way to connect. I think that it's a way to connect. I've been on Tinder dates. With people that like I didn't hook up with. Now, did I never had any relationships with anyone that I met on Tinder? But like I met people on Tinder who were like cool people. Um, it is though mostly for hooking up. Even the people who say that I'm not on here for hookups. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. 
All right. Now, <laughs> how were how were you guys this week? Beautiful, beautiful. How was yours? <laughs> Mine was really, really long. Really long. Yeah. How was yours? It was good. It was good. I'm excited about tonight. Um. So tonight, um, after we finish this podcast, this episode, um, I'm going to a fetish show with a couple of my girlfriends. Um, with um, some of my favorite, well, I guess like the people putting on the show are some of my favorite porn stars. So um, King Noor, his wife, Jess Setting Jasmine, and I'm pretty excited. I'm also terrified um, because it's like interactive, and but it's like you don't have to interact. And I'm like, what does that even mean, right? And it's only women. So only women are there. I believe that no men are there except for King Noor. Um and if nothing else but, like, a giddy fan of my favorite porn stars, it's, like, enough. Like, I want a picture. Yeah. Like, um, but my intention is mostly to watch. Uh, all of the people who are more um, disinhibited than I am <laughs> uh, really enjoy themselves and pick up some pointers. Um, I think that will be pretty exciting. I'm excited about that. Sounds very interesting. Yes, yes. Um, what about y'all? Oh uh, yeah, my night is not as exciting <laughs> at all. I'll come back to you though, and with the new pointers. Yeah, my night is. <laughs> it might be exciting. It should be. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, you know how my weekend. Typical, typical mom weekend. Yeah. What's a typical mom weekend? These days, particularly with the two-year-old at the house, it is taking care of kids and being there. Just being there. Regardless. They, they might not even know you're there, but you just have to be there. You might be in their room playing or doing whatever. You just have to be there. Now, a two-year-old is going to demand some energy. Yeah. Everywhere. I'm thinking about that question you and I have been arguing about for the last two days. You want to bring that up? What? About kids. It's actually sensitive. It's sensitive. Okay. We can edit it out. Okay. <laughs> but let's see. Let, let's see. Because we have been going a little bit back and forth about this. About child death. Oh. So. I have a friend. Lost a kid um, about maybe about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Kid was like four, five. Mm-hmm. I remember those times when she had the kid mm-hmm. from zero to three. Like the mm-hmm. last year, I wasn't necessarily aware of everything that was going on, but I remember from zero to three. It was rougher for her. Mm-hmm. Like, moving, like, she moved from Miami to uh, Dallas, from Dallas to Houston, just, you know, trying to find her way, man, trying to make a way for her and her kid, and it was rough for her. And after she had the baby, I mean, uh, after she lost the baby, rather, How did, the kid. Without being, too, you know, like. I don't really know. You don't know if the baby was sick for a long time? I don't really or know. Okay. I don't really know. 
I just know that I seen her probably within a month mm-hmm. that she lost her baby. Um, prior to that and um, after that, I mm-hmm. seen her within a month. And uh, in a in a in a better space, you know what I'm saying before before it happened, but still, you know, fighting if right. you will. But afterwards, you know, after I guess you would say necessarily the grief, she seemed to be just in a better space. And I liken it to the um, to the responsibility of middle age, older middle age adults that are in their fifties uh, or sixties, and they're taking care of their parents in their eighties and nineties, and that is a burden to them. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake about it. They doing what they got to do, and I understand that. I'm not taking that away from them. It's admirable. But all I am saying is, it's also burdensome. When that burden is removed, this is why, uh, what do you call them? Um, nursing homes exist. When that burden is removed via nursing home or through uh, death, they are able to breathe in a way that they necessarily couldn't. That 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 uh, version of responsibility is absent. And everybody uh, uh, can appreciate life a little bit more with less stress induced, and that's what I was saying. So you also were like, we don't get to say that, like that. No parent has the space to be like actually. The loss of my child, and I guess it's well, like, and that's the truth. Like, like it's not even necessarily the loss. Like, parents who have kids, they don't get to say, "I don't want this kid." Like, don't get me wrong; they feed the kid, they take care of the kid, they do all the stuff. I'm not saying that they they neglect the kid. All I'm saying is, they don't get to say out loud on some days when it just get overwhelming to them. Who I wish I wouldn't have. Maybe not to the kid. You could just say it out loud. Like you, you but they don't necessarily say it though. But you think they feel it? I think they do. I mean, I kind of want to say I know they do. I, I don't. But I you never had a person with a child say to you, "I wish I didn't have any kids." Few. Then that's how. Then that. I would fewer say that than that's I how be- you know that. But that fewer than I believe, sometimes. like really oh. feel like that. Like I believe <clears throat> many more feel like that. I don't believe that they feel like they have the social space. I don't believe we provide that space to mamas to be like, nah, sometimes it's too hard for me. Like, no. And I wish I wouldn't have had it neither. I agree. Because everyone says children are a blessing. Yeah, and they got to so be strong in a way that necessarily daddies don't have to be. But also, though, I think specifically, though, like the loss of a child. And speaking, I've never lost a child. You know, I've had... Um, my my now five-year-old last year almost died. Like, really almost died. Like, not, like, on some bullshit. Like, she was in septic shock, and the doctor in the ICU was, like, having a conversation. Like, my, like I see this. He's an ICU, pediatric ICU doctor, right? And is having a real conversation with us of, like, y'all need to think about what you're going to do. Right. Like you need to think about because most of my kids that are that come in in this condition as her liver's failing, her heart is starting to fail. 
Um, she's like, um, we don't know what's going on with her brain. We just know that like she's had like um, several like strokes. Um, everything is out of whack. And then it's like, y'all need to think about preparing for this child's death, right? And it's a hard reality. And, you know, I'm fortunate that she didn't die. She ended up pulling through. And so my thing to him was like, I don't think that I would have felt relief. Oh, yeah, no. I think that like caretaker roles, and this is the thing, and I I don't know if I want to say women, I don't think that this is necessarily particularly true. Like there is a different experience with having a child, but that, um, is it a major responsibility? Does it shift your life? Yes. To have a child? Yes, to have a child. Absolutely. Um, But I think that like a lot of people, that some of their identity is in being a caretaker. Right. Like even I think that there are men who seek women who are caretakers. Right. Like that there are people that that is just the role that they feel that they get a sense of fulfillment by being able to like that. It doesn't feel like a burden. Um, parenting can feel like a burden, but it doesn't always like there there are experiences of joy, um, of happiness and things that your children provide you and that love and the connection that you have to that person. Um, that I, I just don't know. And maybe for some people, and I do think that like we don't have the space, people feel like shit, maybe this is something people talk about with their therapists that you don't get to say in real life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe also while we're always advocating for therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you need to be able to say like, yeah, although like I love my kid, them being gone I see that, but I think that, I'm sorry, them being gone has allowed me some space to maybe more freely do the things that I want to do, right? But I think that that pain is something that like we never, nobody, it it is my greatest fear. I think that once I had a child, it used to be my mama, right? (laughs) Like, Like, I remember being a kid. And being like, I fuck with my daddy. He a good daddy, right? Um, but but not it like I used to pray like to God, like if you gonna take one of my parents, take my daddy. Don't take my mama. <laughs> no bullshit. Like I remember being a kid thinking that and being like, and so up until I had a child, then it became up. Uh, don't take my child. You can take my mama. Right. Like, like, but I don't, if there are certain pains, I just don't want to experience and like the loss of a child for me. And I don't care. Like if it's an adult child, like I think about like, even when we talked about this last week, like parenting never stops. Right. So, so like, even if my child is 30, that's still my child. That's still my baby. Like I'm not disregarding that point. And I think that's a good point. I don't, I don't, I don't want to act like I'm um, mulling over that point because yes, uh, you will feel pain, suffering, suffering. We just do with loss, but let's look at death not as a holistic feature, but let's look at death as an absence. Okay. People send their kids off to boarding schools. People's kids go to prison. 
I'm talking about where people, kids go for a long time with no engagement. Right. And how advantageous, according to that relationship, people view that absence. That relational death. We don't know how he going to come back from boarding school. We don't know how he going to come back from uh, prison. We don't know how he come back from the military. We don't know how he going to come back from just moving to New York on the whim. We ain't talk to him. Sure. Because <laughs> I don't really want to, you know, I understand what you're saying. I do. I really do. Um, I, I believe you find the culture to be a lot um, more selfless. Than I do, okay. and I that may make me a skeptic or critic, but um, I think that's why I haven't jumped in yet because I'm like it's 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 both it's every and anything it's dependent on the individual right like right. there are mothers who kill their kids because they do feel like they're a burden and they want to live Casey a life Anthony without, right. <laughs> <laughs> That bitch was hard. I don't right. listen. Not guilty. So when we, <laughs> and then we also who are have, you? Who are you? <laughs> what you say? And then we also have the people who like, if they have a miscarriage, they've already felt such a deep connection to the yeah. child that they never even recover from a person they've essentially Absolutely. never met. So it's just one extreme to the other, and then there's this full spectrum of people being like within this bell curve. Sure, I can see so, that. I know, like, for me, um, you know, with my son who is incarcerated and has a lot of time, 35 years, um, it feels like a death of dreams and aspirations and hope. It feels like uh, a death of, like, memories and, like, pausing and, like, this, like, suspended space of time. And so it feels like, to me, like a like a death, right? Like a like a, a loss, I guess. Mm -hmm. But then like, I feel guilty sometimes. I feel guilty for feeling as grief struck as I am because like, I know this girl in passing, like not really well, but her son who was probably, I think at 22, he was in a car accident and he got killed. And so, you know, obviously she's sharing through social net, social media, like Instagram, like the loss of her child and his putting up constant pictures about like, oh, I miss him or like, it's really difficult to get over this. And then I had to think about it from that perspective, like, damn, yeah, like she will never get to see her son again. She will never hold him, talk to him in like this life as we know it to be. But like my son can call me. So do I have a right? And I can go visit him. And when I visit him, I can touch him and I can hug him, even if it is for two to four hours. So do I have a right to feel as much as being at a loss or having a loss as she does? Are you asking? I, I think I, I think so. I think it's like what I struggle with, right? Because in my mind, I've answered that no. I think so. But think it hurts. Personal. Like I feel like, yeah. like man, I understand how she feels. Even though my child isn't dead, like it hurts like hell that he's gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it is a loss. It is a death. Like you mm -hmm. said, I think to, I think that also, so sometimes the coping mechanism of it can be worse is helpful, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Because it makes you 
put things into perspective. Mm -hmm. But it can also minimize, well, not maybe minimize isn't the word I can use. It can also be unhealthy in a sense because it doesn't allow you to honestly grieve, right? Mm -hmm. Like you are allowed, like, yeah, if we compare him, but part of the problem with comparing is that it's unfair, right? Like the comparison is unfair, um, that you are allowed to have those feelings that you're feeling. Yeah. It doesn't make you wrong. Like you still have your your own loss. That's real shit. And then there's the added layer of like, you know, her child passed. So it's like you share freely like, oh, I lost my child because my child was in an accident. My child is gone. But, you know, I, what does it mean to get on social media and be like, oh, my God, I lost my son. He's in prison for murder. Like, oh, uh, you know, just knowing how other people view um, a criminal conviction or like labels. Oh, that person is a murderer, you know, like good. They deserve to be gone. And like, then make you feel like, like a sense of shame. Like I can't really grieve my loss because there's a stigma behind how I lost my, lost my child. Quotation marks. No, I feel that. But loss is personal. Grief is personal. I used to work at this um, um, counseling um, service in um, Houston. And um, the clients that we had were very well to do. And um, it was just a very um, upper middle class, um, upper class population that we served. And uh, I remember uh, one of the ladies um, having like a panic attack, a very uh, anxious moment for her um, because she had a gala to go to and the dress arrived a day late and it doesn't fit and she had to go to the tailor. Um, the young lady who had just left my um, session was going through the loss of both parents in the car accident where she was actually in the car. And it was just a very different um, um, manifestation of the same symptom. Both ladies dealing with anxiety. Both ladies having anxiety attacks. One just related to a car and the death of parents and one related to a gala and not feeling like that dress is going to be ready in time. However, to appreciate the, the the affect, if you will, of the situation is personal. Like you you can judge them if you want to, but both people are going through the same experience. Mm-hmm. Like they may have gotten there different ways. You may say that she shouldn't feel so like this about just the dress, but that's not her experience. Like this brings this type of physiological and psychological response from her. It just, it is what emotions do. Yeah. And it's valid individually. Yeah. yeah. It matters. It matters. Yeah. So one of the things that I told you before that like, I really appreciate about you. One, I think like your, your experience and we went through some of this together since we've been friends. Um, 
for the last what four years? I don't know. Five I'm years. Even years. Um but just like knowing what you've gone through with this whole process, but really um just how dynamic it has been, like even being a mother for you, even talking about having a two year old, we can come yeah, back to how yeah. that fits in. But with your son, um, your experience as we were talking about parenting, like with being a mother. I think that's interesting because I like, I guess as stigmatizing as the word statistics is, I hate that word. But right. yeah, like I guess every statistic that was available in terms of like <coughs> even his conception pans out to be truth. Right. I mean, they say, like, if you struggle with reading, then they're building prisons based on your literacy rate. Well, my son did struggle with reading. He was dyslexic. He also was born to a mother at the age, well, two days before her 15th birthday. So that's another statistic. Like, statistically speaking, he's dyslexic. Plus, he's from a single family home with a very young mother. All these things leading up to he's going to be in prison. And then here we go, like, I'm working very hard on the back end, like, yes, I had a child when I was 14. Yes, that, like, this sense of judgment, like, already people's, like, writing you off, like, oh, that girl's not going to make it, or don't hang around her, she's bad news, or et cetera, et cetera, and just working really hard that, like, I'm going to show everybody, like, I'm not going to be a statistic. Like, I'm going to jump out of the statistic bucket and, like, beat the odds so that people can look and see that sometimes that is, it's bullshit. So working hard to make sure I go to college, make sure that I'm like trying to provide as stable a home as possible, making sure that I'm putting him in programs and I'm putting him in reading programs to help him in, improve his as grades. As a teenager. And, yes. Yes. As, well, as a 20-year-old, 21-year-old. Right. Yes. Paying for, you know, expensive like outside schooling tutorial programs to try to beat these statistics. And then when he becomes a teenager, I, it's like a battle to get him to graduate from high school, which mm-hmm. his father was a high school dropout. So that was one of the things I said, like, please, just whatever you do, bring me a high school diploma. And then from there, prison. So it's like, I almost should have said, please, whatever you do, just don't get incarcerated. Like, maybe it's like, fuck it, don't graduate from high school, just don't get incarcerated. Or is it too much to ask for both? I just felt, I feel like he was set up to become a statistic or to get trapped in the statistic loop. From conception. But then can we not say that about every black man that's born in this country? Like, so, like, I, I hear what you're saying. Then, <clears throat> like, and I think these arguments have, there was some fucking politician who was like, if we abort every black baby, our crime rate. Remember when that shit was said a few, like, no. maybe in the late 90s or some shit. I'll have to, um, it was like the crime way to go down if we abort every black baby oh, right wow. now. Like, and... So I hear what you're saying, but I also say, like, as black people, where does that stop then? Then we just shouldn't fucking have children? Because, like, statistically, like, the odds are against us. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily being fair to the entire experience of what it means to be black in this country, right? So, um, what's her name? The black psychiatrist I like. 
Yvonne. He's talking about uh, the ISIS papers. Yeah, what's her name? Um, Doctor uh, Francis Chris Wilson. Francis Chris Wilson. There we you know go. Know it. Now you don't have to go to hell. So, so, <laughs> I'm not so. going to hell. <laughs> I'm probably going to hell. So Wait, someone's hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. She would say that um, to have a black kid is a revolutionary act. Yes. Because of the odds that stacked against them. So, I would actually kind of side with that um, to understand the prison, the pipeline system, to understand um, um, home, to understand economics, to understand access to jobs, um, to understand the, the, uh, the value of a dollar within that community, to understand what it means to have a positive black male role model mm, consistently that within part. that community. Like, it, it's a lot. So I agree that that is a revolutionary act. Like, that means something to have a kid within the confines of being black in America. Um, so, yeah, that, that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. And I would even argue, though, that, like, I don't know. People fuck up, right? <laughs> like, um even with all of the advantages, because I don't know that when everyone talks about 14 year olds who give babies, they t- like the image is not you. They also not talking about someone who graduates on time, goes straight through college, gets a master's degree, um, is a professional, has done everything they can, you know, to help their child. Um, that we're also framing people in a way that is not fair to individual experiences, right? And True. even there are plenty of folks locked up right now who statistically have all the fucking advantages, right? I mean they exist. I'm talking about I'm talking about white folks, but in particular black people, right? So who were born in the two parent middle class ha- households who still go to prison. They exist. And I could say my brother, my brother's probably not fair though, only because he was adopted at 10. You know what I'm saying? But like it's still someone who ended up with like double life sentences. Okay. So now that we talk about the word fair, then because I think that plays into my grief too. Uh-huh. Like it's one thing if if my son had actually killed somebody and earned 35 years, then I think that it would force me to be like, well, you know what? He, what's the cliche? He did the crime. So now he has to do the time. Right. But he didn't do the crime. Yeah. So that adds this added layer of like, I don't want to say like, it feels like, like someone, like someone murdered my child. Right. That's what it feels like. Like someone murdered my child innocently. Uh Like I, like no, someone just came that. in, like, because I, I don't want to use the word lynching. I don't ever want to say, like, it feels like someone came in, took my boy down the road and, like, killed him. That's how it feels, even though I know he's not dead. But it's like you took his life. You're taking his life away for something he did not do. So that added layer of, like, how fucked up and unfair everything is, how right. Texas is like, oh, no, we're going to find a way to get him. Right. We're going to find a way to get all of them. Right. Or as many of them as possible. And we don't care, you know, like how fair, unfair, who, you know, like how far we got to reach. 
So the fact to know that he's there based off of hate, based off of like the things that have happened through like lineages and generations and like how the state of Texas or the world just sees him as a little, another little black boy right. to, you know, disempower. Right. So I guess it just like, it, it's like, I feel like he was murdered. Sure. It, yeah, and because, ooh, yeah, it's just so layered. Because it's like they don't know his backstory. Like, he's not, you know? That kid. Yeah, but I almost didn't even, you know, like, yeah. who is that kid, really? But he's not that yeah, kid. Yeah, we feel it, though. Yeah. It's black shit, we talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I just know, like... Being it that I have three kids, right? Like, the twins are 13. My oldest is now 24. It's like, I also feel guilt because I am so, like, in sitting in my grief right now that, like, I feel like I'm not celebrating or acknowledging their life. Mm -hmm. It's with, you know, without interference, mm -hmm. right? Like, because before it happened, it's like, you know, like all is well in my life and I'm so blessed. I have, you know, these three beautiful boys and, you know, like, oh, you know, like everything else is like a trivial issue. It's mm -hmm. not like a real, real issue, you know, like even the passing of my father, I felt like I could handle better because it made sense to me. Mm -hmm. But then like, like, you know, those things are going to happen, right? Like my parents are eventually going to probably pass before me if we're just looking at how things are biologically supposed to go. Right. Um, we can expect for people to get sick, but I never in my mind ever, not for one moment, fathom one of my kids could be incarcerated. Like that's a whole new, like something you can't prepare for. You know how we were talking about, like when I thought about the death of my parents, da da da, I felt this way, this way. Right. You know, like I used to too. Like, oh my god, I could picture my mom and dad passing as a little kid and just like crying. Like, right. like I don't know what I would do without them, right? But you know that's coming. But I've never pictured in my mind, like, what if when I have kids, what if one of them gets incarcerated? I think I might have even gone through, what if I have a kid and one is gay? Like, you know, how will I react? How will I be? Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. I prepared, like, prepared for different scenarios. What if my child had a baby early like I did? How mm -hmm. would I prepare for that scenario? I probably took myself, because I'm an overthinker, through so many scenarios. But never, not one time, did I ever say, what if my child gets incarcerated? Mm -hmm. Not one time. Because that's not what you think or dream for your children. That's not what you think you're raising them to become or get trapped up in. Right. Yeah. But having a black kid in America, understanding that like one in every three go, wouldn't that be realistic for us to at least consider it? So, okay. So this brings in, I think, my, my being mixed. Mm -hmm. Growing up in a Korean family, I don't know that I ever really thought I was a black person. Okay. Or ever really thought I was a Korean person. I just thought I was a person. Especially because I grew up in um, military communities where everybody is mixed with something, right? Mm -hmm. So nobody's all of anything. So you could be Mexican and Filipino, German and Black, Korean and Black, you know, like Mexican and Vietnamese. like. And for context, you're Korean and Black. I am Korean and Black, mm -hmm. correct. So just coming from a place where it's not like so race-focused, in my little bubble world, mm -hmm. I don't. When I first had Ty, as of two days before my fifteenth birthday, I wasn't thinking, "Oh, I'm having a black baby 
I'm having a black boy that I'm going to have the raise to be this, that, and the other. That's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, am I going to be able to finish high school? Like, am I going to be like, am I going to have to repeat this semester? Like, you know, like everyone's going to know now, like, I'm thinking about myself. I never once thought like, oh, I got to, you know, how I knew I had to make a way for him, but I never thought about what it would mean to make a way for him or the things that I had to protect him from. No, I feel it. And that's probably unfair. <laughs> that's probably unfair. Um, um, part of what I don't always consider is the fact that like um, in certain spaces, you have time to think about shit like that. Um, I don't know if I had a baby at 14, would I be thinking what I'm saying right now neither? Yeah. Like I may be thinking, damn, how much is Pampers? And do I got enough for Pampers for this week? Yeah. Uh, not even for the month. Like, uh, and how much is uh, Infamil? And who going to watch them? Right. <laughs> yeah. But although I didn't think about it, mm-hmm. it definitely became a reality that I had to start, that I started to recognize and it started to become real for me. And when? I would say probably around the time he was 14, like he started to become a teenager because before that we're like in a suburban area. He's going to school with all these white, white privileged little kids. Like, you know, like I just, I felt uncomfortable with that, but I never just really, you know, like, Oh, I have to protect my black son until like, So he became about 13, 14, and he started getting in trouble where the police started to become like a more frequent occurrence. Like he might ride his bike to the corner store and he's riding back. And next thing you know, the police officer is like bringing him to the door and saying like, I wanted to bring him back because he had a backpack on on the side of the road. And I wanted to, I pulled him over because of some suspicious activity and I wanted to look through his backpack or some crazy crap. And I was like, did you look through his backpack? And he was like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Did he have anything in it? No. So then I'm thinking to myself, like, then why you didn't just let him ride? Like, why Why did you have to bring him here? Like, little stuff like that. And then, like, one time he did get, his cousin got caught <clears throat> shoplifting in a store. So having to deal with police there and, and being treated very, like, rude or curt by the police officer, which was also an experience I had never had before. Um... So just, excuse me, little encounters along the way, like, started to make me realize, like, the police just became a more and more frequent occurrence. Like, I think some kids in the neighborhood were also, some kids in the neighborhood were also, like, throwing parties out of abandoned houses. And so they just started to become more and more of an occurrence. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, I should have, like, that's when I started to realize it. Like, but then I'm like, is this a boy thing? Like, do boys just, because I'm also not a boy. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know what it's like to raise a black boy. I don't know what it's like to raise a boy. I don't know what it's like to raise anybody. But I can relate to what girls do because I'm a girl, stereoty- you know, stereotyping. But, like, I don't know what boys get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that started around 14. Then at the age of 17, he, like, he went to jail for the first time. Because him and a group of friends were going to a McDonald's and it was a car full of black boys and they had the front plate in the in the dash of the thing. Mm-hmm. So the officer pulled him over and said he didn't see a front plate or whatever. That leads into, oh, all of y'all get out of the car and let me check you. Mm-hmm. And my son had like a little doobie, like smaller than a doobie of weed. And he put a little bit of his and then a little bit of another boy's to 
put just like whatever the legal amount was to go to jail for marijuana. <clears throat> and they took him in out of a little like doobie. And I was like, if that was a white kid or if that maybe had been some girls or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever, I don't think he would have went in off of no itty bitty weed like that. And I think around that time also like police shootings were just starting to happen. Like they were starting to become, not starting to happen. Yeah, we know they've they always been happening. happening. But we, social media, the world is just getting to a point where we're starting to see videos of it. We're starting to see it on the, you know, the news headlines. Yeah. Um, so then I started to become even more cognizant. Like, man, so I would have talks with him about like, don't, Ty, when you leave this house, don't give him a reason. You know, don't give them a reason. Don't give them a reason. I tell him every time before he leaves the house, don't give them a reason. Don't give them a reason. And in this situation, like, he made decisions that were bad, but he also made decisions to not give them a reason to throw throw the book at him. Right. But they do anyways. Yeah. They do, and they don't care, and they don't lose sleep over it and because they know it'll never be their kids. Yeah. Well, even to appreciate, I think about like karma, um, my daughter, and there's no front license plate on her car. And it's not necessarily something I ever thought about, like when she was home um, before she went off to school, like the fact that like, and if it was a boy, would I have thought differently? Would I have been more intentional about like, no if no one any reason whatsoever to pull you over, like other than your own behavior, like speeding or, you know, um, that like, I, I, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Cause you don't know what it's like to look well, like the black man knows what it like is like to look suspicious or menacing or mm-hmm. dangerous or right. threatening or up to no good. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and not that, you know, black girls are still targeted, but it, it, it's different. And I think that we have to be honest about the fact that it is different. It's still a reality for them, but it's it's different. Remember, I was telling you when I was talking to uh, black boys, um, sometimes I tell them, um, I know you're going through this. And this is some of the most hurtful stuff to say. And I know you're going through this, but... Uh, to a degree, I'm saying so. Um, like, I almost get over it. Um, you know, this is outside of counseling, obviously. Um, right. But I'm saying so. Um, get over it. Um, not to be mean, but to appreciate how the world interprets you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate to say. But the world really don't give you the space to like uh, be human. Like they don't really see you. Mm-hmm. They don't really see you for you. Um, reading uh, Ralph Ellison, uh, Invisible Man, and at the end of the book, that's essentially what he was saying is they never seen me. Um, it actually affected him not being to manifest into who he wanted to be, the mm-hmm. character in the book, um, because he actually never seen himself. Um, Erickson called it uh, identity versus role confusion. When you try to seek for who you can be, um, and if you don't, 
actually find yourself then you are who you need to be within certain contexts road confusion mm-hmm. like what according to whatever setting I'm in that'll be me mm-hmm. which leaves you anxious in moments of isolation mm-hmm. because you don't know who to be alone mm-hmm. that's why most of us pick up our phone or you know try to distract ourselves with TV or you don't really know who to be alone. That's the worst person a lot of us really like being with. Ourself alone. Us, ourselves. Hmm. we definitely rather be with anybody else. We can at least blame the bad experience on them. Alone. Who we blame that bad experience on is boredom. It's not even like a real thing, but we that's who we blame it on, boredom. Mm-hmm. What's boredom? You like that. I do like it. You have a beautiful definition of boredom. <laughs> what is boredom? Boredom is um, when opportunity meets lack of purpose. It is when you have the space um, to participate in greatness, yet you know you know not like what path to take, mm-hmm. only because of the lack of self-investigation. Mm-hmm. Like you never really got into self enough to know what you into. Most of the things that you do, most of the things that you think are only a um, um, group, if Mm -hmm. you will, of your bigger group. Mm -hmm. Like you really don't have any original um, or personally agreed upon thoughts and behaviors. Mm -hmm. Most people out there. Do you get bored? (laughs) of course that was a no coming (laughs) where opportunity meets lack of purpose no Uh, I'd be bored I I guess I ain't got no purpose purpose. I could sit up here and be like all of my time I'd be bored some of your time is chill time and like that, nah, I ain't talking about chill time. I'm talking about bored. Because sometimes <laughs> that's, that's part of the American complex. Uh-huh. Like, some of us, like, say we work six days a week. Mm-hmm. On the seventh day when we already chose that day to rest, if we don't do nothing productive, we feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Not me. No, we're not <laughs> you, no, we really yeah, do. Like, we feel bad. like, man, I didn't do nothing. I just yeah. like, like, it was your day that you earned. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, like that's not being bored. That's just appreciating your off day, chill, relax. Right, right, right. Like sometimes we grow anxious when we mm. when we. I've made this space for me to kick it with me, mm-hmm. and I'm still anxious thinking about all of the things. Like I don't do that. I wasn't thinking about my bed when I was writing them numbers, and you know what yeah. I'm saying. I was into my work. Mm-hmm. I've earned this. Uh-huh. No, I've been genuinely bored. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I gotta do something. Yes, I'm like, what? I'm fucking calling people. Like, I got a million. And I do think, though, like, (laughs) opportunity. There is an opportunity. I always have things on my agenda, right? Like, um, uh, just like not even outside of like the responsibilities that Mm -hmm. I have, right? Like, I could budget. I could clean. (laughs) You could budget. (laughs) I always budget and clean. Um. I could, so I could write. 
I could spend more time reading. (laughs) What'd you say? Said budgeting. That is like the ultimate waste of time. I can't. No, I'm just saying, but like things that I know that I need to be doing. um, And I have the opportunity to do them, right? Like my kids are with their dad this weekend or whatever, you know, and I have this space. I don't do shit. Yes, you do. I don't do shit. (laughs) But. I mean, even like not even that. I'm just saying, like in general, right? Like in um, that's doing something. It is <laughs> no, so no, no, no. no. The you, you got, that's but you guys something. are missing. That's, that's uh, to pre-prop in this relationship, like, um, or even if he's not around, like we're not always together. You go out of town, you you know. There have been weekends where like you in DC or in Dallas or whatever, and I'm home and I have, um, I'm bored and I got so much shit to do, but, um, and it is an opportunity. I wouldn't even say, uh, lack of, what was it? She said lack of um, purpose, purpose, there's purpose, but, um, lack of motivation, right? Like that, that might be more of it. Like, even when I ain't necessarily tired or need the space just to relax, like just not really managing my time wisely. And is that definition different for children who are bored? (laughs) I don't know if children necessarily get bored. Oh, my 13 year old come down. Mom, I'm bored. (laughs) Like, it's then my job to entertain them. I'm bored, mom. But I think it's I think it's how children are socialized. Mm -hmm. I think it's how we were socialized that we came to the concept of bored, too. Like. To appreciate children, like children play in trash, children play in mud. (laughs) Like to appreciate children, like you have to appreciate the fact that today's kid is bored because he played all the games that he got. Yeah. Like boredom, boredom was never a thing probably thirty years ago for kids. Yeah. That played outside all day. Yeah. Yeah. And created games. Yeah. Was never a thing for kids. Yeah. Today they want to be entertained in the way that their that their older adults want to be entertained. True. Yeah, like kids can't even sit in a um, car without stimulation. Like they need a phone, they need a tablet, they need something. I remember, and it's only because of how they socialize. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. We're creating kids to be bored, like mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Kids are a replica of us. I watch kids watch a slime video. <laughs> Literally, other kids on YouTube making slime. It was they were making slime for hours, <laughs> and they were into it. And they watched it. They made popcorn. <laughs> they watched it. I promise. What and is this thing about people watching other people living and doing things now? But but but. And then I watch other kids. They they watch other kids playing games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they they try to uh, learn certain moves. And they watch this for hours. And adults give these kids a hard time when adults are hypocritical because adults watch Flavor of Love. We made it famous. <laughs> we watch New York, New York. The Kardashians going on a hundred years episode. <laughs> like they're an American family, like the Cosby's now. Yeah, they are. And that's nothing against them. I'm just saying adults are hypocritical in the fact that we enjoy watching other people live their life too. That's where the kids got it from. Mm-hmm. 
We complain about them being on their phone. All, if, all my adult friends, we can talk when they at work. I don't have not one adult <laughs> friend who can't talk on the phone while they at work. Right. Now, kids, now teachers get mad at kids because they try to text while in class and be on the phone while in class. All my adult friends. Even some who are teachers. Even some who are teachers can talk and text at work. Shit, they be swiping right at work. Swiping right at work. <laughs> messaging and plenty of fish at work. Yeah. But no, it's... um. And maybe there's a difference, I think, and um, between like bored with life and bored in a moment, right? Like that. Do I have moments of boredom? And interesting, I think that what you when we when you told me that definition, I was like, that's a dope ass definition of boredom. Like I like that. But remember, we were watching uh, Shameless. Do you watch Shameless? Mm-hmm. And um, what's his name? Uh, Lip. Lip was just laying around the house with it. And Lip is an amazing example of opportunity. Meets lack of purpose. Yes, because Lip is like one of the most brilliant minds, right? Like, but no purpose. No purpose. I think that a lot of people fall into that. Um, where they have things that they want to do, they have goals, but um They don't just make the best use of their time. And I want to be fair when I say lack of purpose. I mean the thing that, like, because purpose is different from um, industry Mm -hmm. or vocation. Like, uh, in, in those two, you're talking about skills and occupation. Purpose is different from just doing something. It is the thing that you enjoy to do. Mm-hmm. Like so, it don't you don't necessarily have to be motivated um, to um, cook when you enjoy cooking. Mm-hmm. Like when just being a, I don't care if you're a nurse. When being a cook is the thing that you enjoy, when you feel like a chef, cooking don't irritate you. Mm-hmm. Probably changing diapers and doing hobbies <laughs> that probably irritate you because that ain't your thing. Even yeah. if that's what you get paid to do. But cooking is probably your reprieve. It is your safe haven. You try uh, new in, uh, new ingredients. You mess up. You get aggravated, but you enjoy that process. Mm-hmm. That's your passion. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by that. So it ain't necessarily something that you can even get motivated to do. It is the thing that you enjoy doing. Most of us just haven't investigated self to find that thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you tell a, if you ask a person, hey, what you into? Guaranteed when they start talking to you, they're going to start naming things that they don't like. Because that is where we've placed most of our focus mm-hmm. on things that we do not enjoy. Mm-hmm. But you say, what is ideal for you? Like, what, what would be perfect? And they'll have a hard time describing their version of perfection. Right. Most of us never considered it. Mm-hmm. Like, genuinely consider what we believe. Perfect marriage, perfect dates, perfect day. Mm-hmm. Perfect man, perfect uh, uh Lover, perfect job. What do you want to say? I was going to say, I feel like women do be like, this is what a perfect man, this is what a perfect this, and, per-, and phew, it's- <laughs> I think if you, I think if you hear a woman, um, if you hear 10 women, let me just if you're shopping, if you hear 10 women that talk about 
um, a perfect man. Um, I can almost guarantee that nine out of 10 of them, they list going to be eight out of 10 the same. What's your perfect man? <laughs> I don't even say there's, I don't. I, okay. Let me, straight, <laughs> let me just go straight to values. Let me just make this easy. Um, a perfect man would be honest. Mm-hmm. Empathetic, mm-hmm. hardworking, good. What does that mean? And um, what is honest? Is honest like, baby, I'm going to work, and I'm going to work when I tell you I'm going to work. Just on, like telling the truth. Like if I ask you, like if we're if we're in the dating process, and I ask you, are you talking with other people? No, but you you got like twenty other women that you're dating, like. So you mean being honest about other women? Being no, being honest. Period. Like if I say, so what you did do you mean do about yet? work? Like I'm telling you, I'm going to work at eight. You mean that you're going to work at eight? Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm yeah, like telling the truth. Like, <laughs> okay. like just like, what did you eat today? Like a burger. Like when you really ate some tacos. Maybe I'm like, around the corner. I'm really thirty truth. minutes. Right. Like just telling the truth. Just flat out honesty. Yes. Okay. Okay. Do we really want honesty? Yeah. I do. Do you really want to hear about all the other women he's dating? If I ask, yeah. Why? Because if I ask, then that means I'm ready to hear. You ever received some news that you weren't really ready for? <laughs> oh, child. Man. I don't think ever that I've ever received any news that I wasn't ready for that just like shocked Knocked you off your feet. Yeah, no. I can't say that I have. My granny used to tell me, keep living. Oh, Lord. I don't <laughs> my, gra- my granny used to tell me that, keep living. Yeah, no, I don't know that I have. <laughs> well, baby. I just hear, like, I hear that. But sometimes I wonder, like, for women, like, do we really want to know that? Like, at least initially. Right, because think, does it make a difference? Like, do we really want to talk about all the dudes we date? But then I also think that there's being honest and saying like, I don't want to talk about that, or okay. hey, I don't think we should go there yet. Instead of lying. All right, I'll, right. I'll so appreciate. I can appreciate that. Okay. Just know me. So what if you could see? See, so <laughs> no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because right? having a man that's. Uh, Empathetic, if you will. What does that necessarily mean in application that I feel you? Like, I pro- I probably seen my mom get beat. And then, so I'm like anti-beating girls, but I still put my hands on you. So I feel you, but it don't stop my behavior. Like, you have an empathetic man. You have one that's honest. Like Sounds perfect to me. What are you... <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> Besides the beating part and all, you know. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. No, just joking. Okay. But no, like, no, because I think that if you're a true. Okay, so maybe I need to add some extra values. Maybe that's where the good comes into play. I don't, I don't know. Or specificity. I tend to think that people get um, what they want. I really do. How specific? 
specific. I want somebody man. six seven, eight inches. Maybe if he's six seven, twelve. No, um, like that specific. That could has be... to have this income, be of this nationality. That's crazy. I want a Native American. That's unrealistic to me. Between well, to a degree, uh, and that just depends on where you at. So. To a degree, I'm saying spiritual, and to a degree, I'm talking about um, cognitively thinking. So that's not necessarily, you know, spiritual. That is a function of just your ability to. Uh, um, so if I have like a standard process that I'm thinking about, I'm into this, this, this. It allows me to kind of funnel the engagements that I have with other people. Does that make sense? Like I'm, I'm, I'm less likely to engage with people who not on my list, if you will, because I have created one. Okay. I kind of know at least uh, I've anchored myself on at least three or four things that I kind of stand for to a degree. So okay. I can at least do that version of funneling. Okay. And it's a working document. You know, we change yeah. over times. Our needs sure. change. Right. So like it's definitely done with a pencil. Um, you, you can erase it, amend it, but I believe it's necessary too. Like, I think the fastest way to get lost is to not know where you're going, like mm-hmm. to not know what you're standing for. Okay, I, I concur. I can see that. But perfect to me would be more the spiritual. Like, how do mm-hmm. we jive? Like, how do you know? How do you handle me when you're angry? How do I handle you when you're are we always angry with each other? True. Instead of like, well, I'm li- I'm lying because I definitely couldn't date nobody for eleven. Like you know, <laughs> Talk I do to have me. my pre- I have there some of my preferences. You know, before we be so accepted, <laughs> see that'd be the thing. You heard women and say stuff, and, and, and they'll say stuff like, uh, "No, nah, I don't care about no income." I don't care. And then they'll be like, "You don't never take me nowhere. Well, you didn't get him." <laughs> Yeah, you had right. said you didn't care about no income or right. even hardworking. Yeah, what it means to be a hard worker because because you will get a hardworking man. Yes, who and just if, don't necessarily bring in that. But yes. he's hardworking. Yes, he yeah, might he work two or three jobs and, and ain't spending time with you because he's making only is bringing home twelve hundred dollars every two weeks. And you don't feel like that's nothing. However, <laughs> you didn't ask. You had hard working. <laughs> right, right. And you got it. It's versions of hardworking. Specificity matter. And it's folks who make a whole bunch of money and barely do shit. Who? <laughs> Where do I got the sign up? <laughs> Lord. <laughs> if there is a guy, please. <laughs> now they may have. Well, nah. I don't know them people. Say that. <laughs> oh, but those people exist, just not in my social context. Right. Like, uh, I mean, there are people, I mean, there are plenty of people. I just don't know a lot of black people like that. They do what? They make a lot of money and have have not had to work hard to get into the positions that they are to make that money. Let me tell you something. Paris Hilton? No, let me tell you something. No, but like more average than that, like motherfuckers who like, no, they uncle get them a job and like they a manager or they like a VP from Jump. I know somebody like that. Let me ask you this. What's on my album? The mall at on the nine, weekend. ten, 11. nine, ten. You ever been to the mall at nine and ten? 
in the morning. Yeah. Maybe if I really needed yeah, something. Yeah, I, I might have been. Yeah, like a few times. Uh-huh. Yeah, just a few times. It's so like once or twice a year, or once or twice in your no, life. No, like in my life. Okay, okay. So the mall open every day mm-hmm. around nine to ten, and we only been there between the three of us six times <laughs> around that time. So. This is one of the things I, I, I ask my class. Who y'all think the mall for? All them stores, they pay rent. Mm-hmm. Like, them lights, that's cost money. Who you think the mall for? Like, there's a population of people that live very, very different from the rest of us. Facts. <laughs> There is a Where? population. Like, I guess they come at 8 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I've never seen them. So, like, you go in the mall, we go in the mall, we go by. We probably frequent the mall every other month. I'm not sure. trying my best not to go to the I mall. I do, too. As I'm older. Especially, when, yeah, I younger, when I was younger, I'm at the mall every now, weekend. Amazon taking over. Yeah. yeah. But even, like, I just, like... Ain't nothing on, you know, only a small cluster of things might be on sale, clearance rack. I'm just not shopping the way I was before kids. I'm yeah. not shopping the way I was. And Amazon taking off. And Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then we getting shit delivered. Yeah. Yeah, like. No no delivery fee. <laughs> <laughs> What's the idea of women since we seem to always come for women? Like. Oh, ideal woman is one who gonna cook, clean, <laughs> be quiet when it's time to be quiet. Nah, I'm just playing. Uh, Clearly, right? <laughs> very specific about that. Like, you say, have not, you have not invested well in your interests and chosen properly if those are your values. <laughs> no, no. I think that. Um, but um, is the effort the same? What? Like I mean, like those are things that they want. But if the woman tries, but maybe it's not good at them, is that the same? So the effort is is the same because anything that you genuinely try it, you're gonna get better at. So the effort is the same. If she cook clean, would you say be quiet? No, nah, she ain't got to do that. <laughs> oh, she got to cook and clean now. She got to cook now. Nah, nah, she got to be quiet. That's <laughs> she gonna try every time yeah. she curse you out. She gonna be like, I learned from that. This time I used three less curse words than the last time. Now let's go there though. Actually, be, I, I want to be fair to 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 the experience of people because I think that one of the things that we do that causes a lot of conflict in relationships is like not allowing people the space to grow mm-hmm. and expecting people to be like um, these ideal versions of things that they are not. Right. And I think that sometimes so much of relationships really like forgiveness is a big deal. Right. Um, And growth is a big deal. And I think that what happens when we have these lists that are uh, that should we have lists that have certain values? Sure. Absolutely. Um, But like hard, hard working. I I, I understand that value. Right. Um, But what about the hardworking man? who gives up his nine to five for a dream and completely invests in his dream. Are we willing to invest in him or to help support him in his dream? I don't know you talking about dream. that Tyler Perry movie, Acrimony? 
I don't know. I don't know if his dream is is invest worthy. Yeah. What is he gonna do? That part. What is he gonna do? What if it's to start a business? What is the business? Lawn service. <laughs> what if it's um? What if it's I'm like? Do he no, nah, but people do this. Like, what if it's an engineer who's like, nah, um, I I want to um. Go to the rock. No, he's already <laughs> an engineer, and I'm gonna give up. What if it's what's from uh, Insecure? What's a oh boy who laid on her couch for three years? And then. Oh yeah, yeah. Or, <laughs> that, or the Tyler Perry movie was a dude. He was a, they went to college together. Uh-huh. She met him in college. He uh, he got an engineering degree. She got a like she inherited a lot of money through her mother's passing, mm-hmm. and then. He didn't work because he was building this machine over all these years. And like she gave him all her mother's inheritance, plus sold the house to invest in his dream. Mm-hmm. And then this is 20 years later. She's like done. And that's when his e- e- invention sells. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, but he was hard working. Like, he life. invested that time into but it. But she felt like it was a waste because she felt like it was like hollow dreams. No, no follow through, no come through. Everything he said was going to happen didn't happen within that 20 years. So she's like, this is a lot of time of me investing in this person's dream. She should have waited 21 years. (laughs) (laughs) Don't give up. After you come that far. Man. Nah, it's complicated though. It it really is. But I, um, and I know those are extremes, but I also think though, like, It's, just, it's always complicated. Yeah, but it's a lot of heartache and Life a lot of hurt and a lot of dis- a lot of disappointment. Um, just from expectations, and sometimes I don't think that we're always um, considerate um, to other people, and it causes us a lot of pain, right? Us not being considerate to other people, even our kids. Right, that we have these dreams for our kids, and they got their own life, the own their own things that they want, and their own hopes. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I could see that. Mm. I don't know. I think to love completely is unconditional, right? And I don't think that um, a lot of people are really into unconditional love. Yeah, or know what that is. That's like unconditional love. That's crazy love. I mean, not cr- not it's not crazy love, but that's like. The real deal, like, and that, mind blown. That 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 means sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, unconditional love means that um, there may be something I could do. Like it, it don't allow you to play blame. Unconditional means that I get to accept some of this. That right? Who does that? <laughs> Who can do that? Mothers, that's it. Nope. Mothers ain't unconditional. <laughs> Very conditional. If you come in here with something less than an A or B, that's going to be me and you and most well, of me. Well, then that goes back to who does that? Who can do that? Because um, the if mothers be can't do it, can't nobody do it. What? On the other side of the, you know, you say, you, I don't want to say. And then you say your thing, and Stop then the priest playing, be like, so. all right. Yeah, priest and your therapist. <laughs> this is definitely unconditional. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. Bring that paycheck. They not unconditional. Uh, don't bring that paycheck. Uh, don't bring that fucking payment. Did you and, go for therapist? And, and I, I, 
I'm the priest is the same way. Let's let's you bring your insurance. Let's not say that shit. Like the priest the same way too. I bet you motherfuckers start stop paying their tithes. What you gonna do? We gonna find another fucking parish or whatever. Lock the door and be like, half of y'all ain't here. (laughs) I've been at a church. I was like, come on, y'all. Y'all ain't gave enough yet. Pass this anniversary. We gonna pass this basket right back around. But I guess my point though is suffering, right? That like we create a lot of our own suffering. Um, yes, but isn't that what it means to be human? You have to suffer. I don't know if we have to suffer to the degree that we suffer, but you have to suffer. suffer. I would, I would like to say you will suffer more yes. than you have to suffer. Yes, semantics to me. No, because so, you're, you're so, going. The bottom line is, you will suffer. You have to suffer. You will experience suffer. So, so, and I don't know if it's necessarily semantic. So, when I say will, I mean that it is a um, definiteness. The the occurrence of suffering is a definiteness when you will suffer. When you when I hear you have to suffer, I hear a consistency of existence, meaning that there is nothing outside of suffering. Mm-hmm. You have to suffering. Life is suffering, and I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. More than I agree with, yes, within life exists suffering. Suffering is a feature, a characteristic of life. It is not the summation or the totality of life. And I still think because you will, you have to. Mm, But suffering can be a choice too. You can choose to suffer. Explain it. You will experience things. Um, that will cause pain, right? Mm-hmm. We can the manifestation of that pain, like the experience can be explained as suffering. And people can make a choice to live in that or to grow from it, right? Mm-hmm. That it can be a cognitive choice that like you can decide that like this thing is not going to define who I am or this experience is not going to define who I am. Um, in that, like, all pain don't necessarily uh, create everlasting suffering, that we can intentionally choose to step out of that, right? Um, I think a lot of suffering is related to guilt and shame. And I think that once you begin to identify the cause of the suffering, that then you begin to no longer suffer. And that if you don't, if you're not interested or if you choose not to identify it, then you will continue to suffer. And some people define themselves by the things that they've experienced that it caused them to suffer, right? And, and it becomes a part of your identity. I am a cancer survivor. Right. Now, there may be people who are cancer survivors who will always suffer because of the experience. And there may be other people who don't. That's, and that's what I'm saying, that it is a choice that you get to choose whether or not, like, this is something that an experience I had, however I share it, however I embrace it, but it doesn't, um, but that like my experience isn't eternal or consistent suffering. Right. (laughs) Like, like, and that they live, constantly in that state of suffering and it, it is always and that they are never able to overcome that well, 
maybe not overcome is a fair word, but never able to go from a place where it doesn't create a sense of suffering, almost that the suffering feels safe, that the less safe thing to do would be to not allow it to define you anymore, that it's comfortable. Because we have a society that just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Come on, listen. I don't even know. Like, it's just like, it's like because society wants us to be a certain way, a certain thing. If we're not that, then we have to explain. We have to be like, I would be that, but see what happened mm-hmm. was like, which I guess is like a, insecurity like Mm -hmm. but it's like we have to like we don't want to like not fit in so now we have to make a like make up a reason why we weren't able to be great or we weren't Mm -hmm. able to accomplish this or that or the other and so like a parent dying or anything that's like traumatic is like that excuse to just stay stuck like even with me right like i'm grieving i'm hurting so therefore i can't clean the house. Therefore, I can't take care of my kids. Therefore, that's why I can't remember anything. Therefore, that's why I'm missing deadlines. Like, I gotta blame my non-greatness on something else. Mm -hmm. I feel that. See, that's why I really, um, I would, I would, I would say that, um, suffering is perceptive. Sure. Um, and I, I fundamentally think it, it, it equate down to probably the two things that uh, you said, which is shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, shame being external, um, a lot like the example you were just saying, um, I feel a sense of shame um, due to some occurrence, meaning that I feel shame because I didn't graduate. I feel shame because um, my mama wore this to, to school and she was embarrassing me. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Um, I feel that 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 shame, uh, just different versions of suffering. But guilt is different, and I believe that guilt probably affects us um, um, more long term because, oh. unlike shame, guilt is intrinsic, like it's personal. So guilt got everybody on the medication. Guilt is <laughs> guilt is how you medicine. feel about you. Like like guilt, re- like shame refers to like your existence within the context of other people, you feel shame for, you know, it could be an insecurity, it could mm-hmm. be a deficit, it could be an impairment, whatever. But guilt is how you feel about your existence, mm-hmm. um, period. Not just necessarily as it relates to other people, but it's how you feel about you, um, intrinsically. This is one of the reasons I know people want to be better. I do too. I think. You don't really got to tell people like uh, a man who in the mood to treat a woman right when he haven't got her flowers in a long time. She really don't have to remind him because he feel it like he feel guilty too. Like when you say something, it make me feel shame. That's that's different. But I was already feeling guilt. You know what I'm saying? That I that I couldn't do this, that I couldn't do that. Or and vice versa with her, you know, depending on the situation. Yeah. No, I think of, and actually thinking about this, like, in another, but like, a real analogy of pe- some patients that I've had before. Um, I remember working at an HIV clinic and having this woman who contracted HIV 
Um, and so I'm seeing her for depression and anxiety and the shit that has been going on for years and years and years. So all of this stuff stems from the HIV diagnosis, right? Um, or even having young people with recent diagnosis who are allowing themselves to die, who are just like, I ain't going to get no, I ain't going to start on medication because like that means I have to acknowledge mm. that like, and like they're dying. They are sick. Like they're, uh, you know, their viral load is out of control. They're, um, getting all type of infectious diseases and they're just, and then it's like this, it's just like this suffering. And then seeing other patients who are in a different level of acceptance, Mm -hmm. right? Who were like, yes, I have this. I don't feel guilty about it though. Right. I've, I'm an advocate. I talk about it. I wear shirts that are like HIV. Like when you look on my social media, this is, you know, and it becomes a part of their identity just in a different way. The absence of guilt and shame does that, though. Yes. Like, without guilt and shame, that that, that concludes suffering. So this is what I'm saying, though. But can't that, they that still be suffering even if they, they are can, empowered? They can they go can. through pain. I don't know if they can suffer. And that was one of the distinguishments I was going to make between pain and suffering. I, I, I specifically think that suffering, like, encounters shame and guilt. Pain is different. Yeah. I don't know that if I'm going through pain, I'm necessarily suffering. Yes. It, and that was just like, there were clear groups of patients for me. Some that like, I mean, like women who their kids would come up in there with them, you know, that they were, um, since their diagnosis are in a new relationship, um, that like, it's not something hidden. When I meet folks, I let them know I'm HIV positive. We can talk about not prep. On the first date. Well, I, I don't know everyone's experience, right? But like that it isn't that it isn't a thing that they're talking about family planning, <coughs> that they're talking about like how I, their kids know they're HIV positive, their little kids. It's just not a fucking big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're healthier. They're physically healthier. Like these are often the people who like aren't sick, who are on top of their medication, who are <coughs> like really engaged in treatment. So maybe they're not like advocates the whole world, but it doesn't define, they are not suffering from it in the way that I saw so many people. And not just, and that's what I was saying, not just people with new diagnosis, but people like who've been HIV positive for 20 years and are still like, no one in my family knows. No one because then I'd have to have a different conversation with them. I mean, also, that speaks to, um, I mean, we could look at that as a, a extreme response and nobody in my family know it. I've been having this diagnosis for 20 years, but it could also highlight the fact that in society, look where, look how short of a distance we've come in 20 years, that I don't feel safe enough to have this conversation with my family. Like, I should be able to talk to my family about diabetes, about uh, uh, um, dyslexia. Like I can talk to my family about a whole lot of other health and psychological conditions. Why not this one? Like it's the space that we put this particular condition and a few others in that like don't provide people who suffering from this condition, like the space to be like, hey, man, this happening to me. Yeah, because just like you saying, like, then they say I have to have a different kind of conversation. But there are like so many ways to contract HIV, right? So like already there's a deeper guilt or association or shame or whatever. 
else attached to it. I get right. that. Cam was telling me one day about, you know, and I forgot too. She said um, um, that she was working one day and she forgot how many kids uh, are born with the with AIDS. Mm. And that I forgot about that too. Like, it's a lot of kids born with it. But when you say you have HIV or the AIDS virus, like, we don't necessarily think that you were born with it. Blood we immediately think that you nasty or, you know, something the social conversation behind it. Right. And, and and again, that's where um that's what we talk about. But again, these are people from the same communities who just have different experiences because of how they've chosen. This is why to my point, it is suffering is also a choice because of how they've chosen to allow this thing to define them. All of them got are HIV positive. But the difference is in how, and granted, like, I don't know that, like, um, I'm sure that someone who's positive might say maybe, like, my first two years of diagnosis was different than 10 years out, right? Like, like that even for them, it's been a process. Um, but to appreciate the process, but in some of that, like, to, uh, to let go of the suffering but then that's like with all things right that we experience everybody's going to go through it differently people are going to love different people are going to be happy experience joy suffering pain like that's for all things yeah it is like going to handle it from from um divorce to death to dropping out of school to feeling guilty about how you raise your kids from feeling guilty about how you was raised you know, like a lot. It's just it's a lot of things that we kind of don't get over, if you will. Yeah, we don't get over so many things. But maybe we should. We should intentionally try. I think that is our object. Our objective here, right? Part of it is that, like, we really not conditioned. So, like, um, and this is just my personal thing. I think that, especially in this day and age, like the victim is of value, and I don't mean that. In the therapeutic sense, uh, like your pain matters. I mean, like it is a commodity to be a victim today. It is a social value to be a victim today. And I think that that value that we have gave victimhood allows people to like even men. This is not a gender specific thing, like allows people to like only focus on the wrong that have been done to them. Yeah. Totally looking over their contribution to, you know, such experiences. But I believe it is because of the value, the social value that we give the victim today or a victim stance today. Mm-hmm. So as black people, then what do we do? <laughs> we're going to need more than this wine. No, we're going to have to go through the whole thing. <laughs> the blue pill. Right. That's, I think that's... I mean, I know what I say. It's going to only be a part of a possibility. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go on, drop. Like, what do we do? I have no idea. But I I think, individually and collectively. But I think part of it is like this, right? Like being aware, talking about it, like learning more about how much we don't know or we think we know or there are layers to so many different things. <laughs> what is that concept of being woke or just being educated or just <laughs> knowing? Which is like, if you think about it, like we're... We're working from 
a deficit? Eat deficits, right? Of like, no, you can't learn how to read. No, I don't want you to be literate. No, I, I don't want you to be independent. No, I don't want you to know self-value and worth. No, I want you to think talking about it is crazy because it's forbidden. Y'all better not be talking about running away or having a better life or doing this, that, or the other. And the crab in the barrel mentality of like, I don't really like that um, moniker. Crabs in a barrel? I really don't. Because uh, I think that black people use it in a way that they don't appreciate that. Um, if we saying black people like crabs in a barrel, we're not appreciating the fact that a barrel is not a crab's natural habitat. Mm. Meaning that even if we do pull each other down, you have to appreciate that something greater than us put us here. Like nobody, no crabs were born in barrels, and I understand it, but I I don't like how black people use it. Like they use it as a way to like put us down, not appreciating like that we were we got here in community, right? And so that's why I also feel like part of the solution is talking about it because there was something you just said that I was going to use that compounded with the crabs in the barrel, mm-hmm. like knowing right like you know that crabs weren't put in the barrel so that's how crab the the other the other crabs don't know and so they're literally shooting themselves in the street or they're literally like hating on and sabotaging someone else because they're jealous about what they don't have they're literally pulling their brother down because they don't know and so that's why i think part of the solution is knowing being educated understanding like where are these feelings or even understanding self so mm-hmm. therapy right why why am i jealous of brother like why does it bother me that that sis got a raise and i and i didn't like why am I, why where is that coming from mm-hmm. knowing because for a long time you just be angry and you don't know like i'm just mad i'm mad why i'm just mad yeah yeah you know that's just who i am i'm ju- I just i'm just mad I'm just sad. And it had, if, if I can be fair. <laughs> I'm just um, anxious. <laughs> to, to, my, to my man, um, it had a lot to do with comparing yourself to, to to wherever you concluded in the comparison, you felt inferior. Yeah. You felt less than. And for a lot of people, it looked like sadness. For a lot of black boys, it looked like anger. And girls. And girls. Yeah. Um, Like angry black women don't come from nowhere. Mm-hmm. We be angry though. Year. Fuck that. Let's be honest about it. We be. You know how many angry black women here recently? I gotta say, I've been real angry. <laughs> <laughs> I've been an angry mother. I've been mad here recently. Like saying it. Like I'm mad. I'm angry. Like I'm just so angry. That's actually healthy to say though. To identify the emotion. Um, I think one of the things that we do a lot, uh, and the black men a lot, um, we experience an emotion and deny the experience. Like being angry, we'll say, I'm not mad as we kick a tire. Like you exhibit anger, you exhibit aggression, but we'll deny the experience, even mm-hmm. sadness. Um he mopes or he don't really want to talk very distant and withdrawn. And what's wrong with you? Nothing. I'm all right. Yeah. Like, 
just the inability to be very transparent, not only with um, other people, you know what I'm saying, but really with itself, like right. just to be honest about my experience. This is what I am going through. Identify it. Because if you can't identify, you will never address it. You'll start saying silly stuff like this is just me. Yeah. This is just who I am. The same person at 20, 40, 62. Like, and that's what I'm getting back to. That the suffering is is a choice. But then all of that comes to... Then like, we're choosing to allow that to be our identity. Uh, I mean, it is perceptive. So I guess you can say to a degree, suffering is a choice. Yes. Uh, we're talking definitely... Um, higher level cognition and spirituality and when we say it's a choice to know what not suffering is. you know what i'm saying because i would i would i would i would say that suffering is a part of life um, like you 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 would it exists like it, it is like trees yes i mean we said that that it happens it, it is a thing it happens. Even the best of us can have the best jobs and the most beautiful families and beautiful income and we take beautiful family trips and we all have beautiful cars and Katrina can happen and then that'll be that. Like you you are guaranteed to go through but, some but, could, but that shit is also could, superficial. But yeah, though. I was like, but could you could you still have suffering and have all those things though? You could still have like, no, no, no. I'm just celebrities I, commit suicide. No, I'm just time. I wanted to paint that picture because that is the goal of most people. Um, I want to be fair, and even like, within that, there yes, because if really what it is is that like not is if the objective is to just have things, and yeah, we're gonna suffer. Because there's always more things to have. So let me, let me tell you this. Because I had this conversation with my uh, college students. Because uh -huh. I said, uh, I think it's a lot to actually um, go to school and work at the same time. Yeah. I think Hell that's a yeah. lot. And I said, a lot of y'all doing it, putting y'all self through that. And for what? And so I just wanted to get some responses back. More money, better place to stay, put my mom in a better place, get a better job, more money, buy nicer things, do what I want to do later in life. So I just want to be fair to the values that we have. Yes, I know that there are things that are, are ideals and values that we should be um, trying to rise to the occasion of, if you will, but that's not necessarily where we are as a culture. And I want to just be specific about that. Yeah. And I understand that. Again, those ideals create suffering. I think another episode you shout is like, what do we do? We have this information now. Now that we have the information, we ain't gotta wait to the next another mm -hmm. episode. Like, what do we do? Other than having conversations, conversations are cool. But if we just fucking having conversations <laughs> and there's no action, there's no desire to um, grow from it, then we just fucking talking. We just sitting around talking. Sure. No, it's um, we, it's it's, <laughs> it's not just conversations and. Like where is the action? That's what I'm saying. Like where where is the action? It's personal. It is because what what we asking people to address mm -hmm. um, is their outlook on things. Mm -hmm. Like that is as hard as addressing culture. Yeah. Fundamentally, that is what addressing culture is. Like mm -hmm. to change 
a, a mass of population outlook and view on things. That is highly difficult. Yeah. Like because that take introspective work on each individual within said population. Yeah. Like who really in the mood to do this? And even if you're in the mood, who know how to get the space to self-reflect and do this? But it's necessary. I'm not saying it's, it's not necessary. necessary. And I think it's happening. I mean And it is happening. It's happening. Yeah. I it mean is happening. this whole concept of being woke and socially aware and now that the internet, like all these stories re-emerging that like history was trying to bury like it's floating around like the like it's reviving and when you think about the the deficit of which we're coming from and the gains that we're making in such a small amount of time like i it's a beautiful thing of course i wish it was moving faster it's regrettable where it's at in the first place that it even has to be anywhere but mm. No, it's, I mean, it is still promising. 100, yeah. Black it, people it, it are, is. In, it is. It, are in the best space in America black people have ever been in. Yeah. Um, it is one of the better times to be black. You know, yes, we still have the same, you know, fighting some of the same injustices. Um, however, it ain't slavery. It ain't Jim Crow. Like, it, it is an improvement from some of the more harsher conditions that black people have experienced, um, you know, it, during that tenure in America. Crazy thing is 50, from you, 50 years from now, they're probably going to be like, damn, they used to treat them real bad in 2019. Right. And I think that that's, <laughs> that, that is what I'm thinking. Like, I hear what y'all saying, but I also think like, nah, black people going through a lot of shit. Like, like, like people are, but like, like, but to like the context is important. Like, we can make an argument that like, fucking human life is in one of the best spaces that it's ever been. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, because being an American, because of technology, because we can walk into a fucking house and turn the light switch on, because we're not fucking gathering wood to have warmth. Like, so. I, I appreciate that, but I think in context, we also have to be fair to like, even in with all of this privilege and all of this opportunity and the fact that we see people who look like they're successful, who look like us, who look like they have their shit together or whatever, we still fucking ain't okay. And like in deeper than like the collective is important, but also the individual. And that's what I'm saying that like, even with all of this shit, ask a motherfucker who thinks that like, when you get your first job and you making six figures, motherfuckers still be unhappy. They still be unhappy. Like that shit, like the, the over-reliance on things instead of something deeper within ourselves is still suffering. So yes, we don't know, we're not starving. Our experience is that our kids might not be hungry, but our kids are hurting. Fucking black kids committing suicide, middle-class black kids. Fucking black kids hurting. Like, like that is, I think, what we have to work on. Like, and to pretend that just because like things look a certain way, like we missing a boat. I think that a Wait, but let me say this, like even even the aspect of like a lot of people who are like, I've worked hard, parents do this shit, like I've given you this middle class income, I've given you are still fucking up, then ignores the fact that like there's still black boys and girls in America. Mm-hmm. And that like their experience is different. And so you thought that just all this money you had or all these opportunities and vacations 
It don't change nothing. Uh, I wouldn't say no, so it don't change nothing. Oh, I, I'll say that it's not the end all be all. Um, but I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> so, I feel you. <laughs> so, shit. Y'all nah. got me going. Like, I got this in the point. <laughs> I, I do feel you. I, I, I want to say this, though. Um, due to the few, um, little, if you will, progress made by black people in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, one of the things that this generation of black people that exists did was kind of forgot the experience of black people. Like, this is to me one of the reasons why our values have changed. Because um, we got into kind of what they was into. Mm-hmm. Like, not only did we fight for integration and get in their spaces, we kind of interpreted their values, too. Mm-hmm. Like, from family system. Like, we never really used language like stepsister, half-brother. Like, mm-hmm. that wasn't really language that, like, that was sister, brother. Like, you even said that to friends that you was just close with. Like, that was just the language we used of community. Like, that was our language. Now, we just sound very different when you talk to us. And it is because, like, not only did we want to be in their social spaces, but we also kind of wanted to get down how they got down. And I think it skewed us a tad. Mm-hmm. To a degree, I just think it's we're Americans. That's what I call it. We are. We're just Americans. We are. And we... we think like Americans. Yeah. Our values are American. <laughs> they are. And one of the things we never ask ourselves is what does that mean? Mm-hmm. To have American values. Like a lot of people try to say, no, nah, I'm black. No, nah, I'm white. No, nah, I'm Mexican. No, nah, I'm say, man, y'all missed it. Y'all all American. Y'all do the same stuff. Y'all into the same stuff. What y'all need to do is have a like collective conversation and ask, like, what is American values? Mm-hmm. It ain't necessarily a melting pot because it all ain't melting, but it's definitely a stew. It's in there. In this American experience, and it's all good. It's different. I mean, we still got American advantages too. Like, absolutely. We becoming more aware. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got American advantages other black people because because of the privilege of being black in America like other black people see us as like ideal black people mm-hmm. as like the model black people as like the black people who have like a space to exist like black people should exist mm-hmm. like liberated blacks that's cool some people don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> racism was a wake up call in America yes it was Yeah, I feel fine. Feel okay. good. Felt a good conversation. Some uh, deeper things to contemplate. Different perspectives. Definitely appreciated it. <clears throat> Ask me how I feel. How do you feel? I don't really know, man. Uh, <laughs> well, I feel good. I really do. I enjoyed it. Thank you to our guests. Thank you um, for coming on. Thank you. Um, she almost didn't make it. <laughs> That's another episode. <laughs> You'll come back. The weather. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, man, it was good. I enjoyed it. That's my thing. Yeah, me too. Um, but no, thanks for coming. Thank you. And again, I think one of our things is go to therapy. Please. <laughs> Everybody needs therapy. Um, please. Um, be a better friend. Be a better friend. Be a better everything. Just be better. Just try shit. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Go Ahead. I'm listening. Um, you can DM us if you have anything, anything you want to say about what we talked about today or in past episodes. Um, if you're interested in being a guest, if you have some shit you'd like to talk about or a story you'd like to share, um, that's what this is all about. You can also email us at melaninminded713 at gmail.com. And just take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And that sounds like it's it. Yeah. And to think about, oh, the ways in which um, you have suffered. And don't use use napkins. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> napkins. That's it right there. <laughs> You're welcome. Alright. Um, I love you guys. Um, we love our listeners. I love you, Kenya. Love you, David. Um Thank you guys for being present. All right. Done. <laughs> thank you guys for being present. You taking shots? No, everybody was present. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even catch up. Uh, oh, Kenya. What? I guess like we should use the are you one of those people who want to be like you can follow me on social media. Me? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> me? <laughs>